Well, we are honored to be here today, thankful to God and thankful to Pastor Moore and Sister Phyllis and the team that's here, Brother Dave and the Ministry of Helps here has been a tremendous blessing to my wife and us as we are here. Uh, thank God for my wife of 37 years. Yeah, we got married at a young age and thankful to God for her. She's a, a tremendous blessing and for uh, Reverend Edwards and Reverend Smalls that are with me, we're so thankful. Thanks, Seeds of Greatness, for viewing in, and thank you for having me today. I'm excited about what God is going to do among us, and it is a privilege and an honor. And I want to be a good steward over the time that we have. Amen? Amen. Well, you know you're going to have to stand with me this morning. All right? You'll probably get some good exercise today. Amen. I believe that there's power in what we say. Amen? Amen. And I believe that our words have an impact on everything that we say and do. Your words matter. Say this with me. My faith is not fragile. My faith is not weak. My faith gets stronger every time I speak. Come on, let's say it again. My faith is not fragile. My faith is not weak. My faith gets stronger every time I speak. Now put your hands on your body. Say, my body is not fragile. My body is not weak. My body gets stronger every time I speak. Now I want you to grab your pocketbook or your wallet. Come on. <laughs> Say, my money is not fragile. My money is not weak. My money gets stronger. Every time I tithe. All right, you may be seated in his presence. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know what you say matters. Because the Bible says in, in Proverbs 18:21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And that you and I, we can be snared by the words of our mouth. So don't just think that we're just saying those things. We are releasing spiritual force into the world. Amen? Amen. Jesus said this in John 6, 63. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So every time you speak words, they are having an impact in two worlds. And that's the thing that makes us unique. We get the opportunity to function in two worlds at the same time. And our words are the thing that connects us to two worlds. So we're not just impacting the natural world, but the spirit world is coming to attention when we release faith-filled words in the atmosphere. When you declare faith over your children, you declare faith over your body, you declare faith over you, things are happening. And the devil will try to tell you that nothing is happening, but I'm here to tell you today that things are happening every time you speak. Can you say amen to that? And that's why you can't be passive. You need to be very intentional when it comes down to speaking faith faith-filled words. I declare, and I say this and people laugh at me, but I tell them I'm aging backwards. Now, you'll see me 10 years from now, and I'll still look the same. All this going to be the same way. Because I'm declaring some things over me. I'm not forgetful. I don't declare that I'm forgetful. I'm not losing my mind. Things aren't slipping by me. I'm very intentional about the words of my mouth because you're going to be justified by your words or you're going to be condemned by your words. And you and I have to understand that one of the most powerful things God gave us beside his written word is the spoken word out of our mouth. You are a speaking spirit that can change things that you see by the words that come out of your mouth. Can you say amen? to that. 
And so I, I'm a little bit excited. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, this week was an amazing week talking about the joy of faith. The joy of faith. And you know, when you think about what God has delivered us from, when you think about where God has brought you from, you know, a lot of times people say, I was born on the wrong side of the track. Listen, all of us were born on the wrong side of the track because we didn't know Jesus. We were in, we were, the Bible calls us aliens. Now look at your neighbor and say, you were one time an alien. (laughs) But the Bible says because of what Jesus did on the cross, we've been made nigh by the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? And so you and I, we have the privilege of, of walking in faith and walking in the strength of the Lord. You know, as we were here at the conference this week, we were tremendously blessed uh, with Brother Moore teaching on the joy of faith. The joy of faith. And joy is such a powerful force that when you look at everything that's happening in the world, all of the things that's happening with the pandemic, all of the unrest, there should be a distinction between you and I. When we go out, I believe that this is the time that Isaiah prophesied that you and I need to rise and shine for our light has come. The glory of the Lord is on you. Look at your neighbor and say, the glory's on you. Come on, tell them, come on, tell them again, the glory's on you. The Bible says we are to rise and shine for the light or the glory of God is on us. And child of God, people are looking for that light because the world is in gross darkness. But thank God we're walking in the light and that light should be reflective out of us through expressions of joy, through expressions of thanksgiving. I want you to open your Bibles with me, if you will, to Psalm, the 100th Psalm. I'm going to read out of the Message Bible. Beginning at verse 1, Psalm 100. Glory to God's great name. Can you say amen, somebody? Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, amen is not just filling in the blanks. You know that, right? Amen means so be it. Amen. But listen to what it says in the Message Bible, beginning at verse 1. It says, on your feet now, applaud God. Give him, give, bring a gift of laughter. Bring a gift. Of, look, give your neighbor a gift right now. Now, you would be surprised how a lot of times people are believing God for things. And I really believe that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not laughing enough. When you think about everything that God has done for you, where God has brought you from and what he's done in your family, how he's healed your body, how he's had you to be able to keep a sound mind, you should be laughing all the time because the devil thought he had you, but he'll have you. It says, bring the gift of laughter. Now get this. Sing yourself into his presence. Sing yourself into... Do you know that sometimes it's good to just make up a song and sing yourself into his presence? Now, you might say, I'm not a singer. I know a lot of people that aren't singers. But you can sing yourself into his presence. Can you say amen to that? He says, know this, God is God and God, God. He made us, we didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. I love this. This is what I want you to see. Enter with the password, what? Oh, come on. You got to come a little stronger than that this morning. It says, enter with the password, thank you. You know, most of us in here have a checking account. And most of us, pray to God, we got money in it. 
You don't want to have a checking account. <laughs> you don't want to have a checking account with nothing in it. He says, when you think about this, enter with the password, thank you. What would you do if I told you the healing you need is on the other side of your thank you? The deliverance you need is on the other side of your thank you. Because you know, in the natural, in order for you to get access to your account, you have to have some numbers. Well, we don't have to have numbers. We need to have scripture. And child of God, he says, enter with the password, thank you. I'm convinced that there are things that we will enter into when we learn to thank God in spite of what it looks like, when we learn to thank God in spite of how we feel, when we learn to thank God in spite of what people think about us, when we enter in with the password, thank you. Thank I didn't deserve it. Thank you. I deserve judgment. Thank you that his mercy found me when the enemy wanted to consume me. He said, enter with the, th- the password, thank you. Make yourself at home talking praise. Thank him and worship him for God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal, loyal always and forever. You and I must be people that if we are going to maintain the joy of faith, we have to be thankful people. Isaiah said in Isaiah 61.3, he said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When heaviness tries to get on you, when depression tries to get on you, when anxiety tries to get on you, because trust me, when you leave this meeting or you leave this service, you're going to get a phone call. You're going to get a text. Someone is going to reach out to you, one of the enemy's agents, if you will that are going to try to steal your joy. And you and I, as people of God, we must be aware of the joy killers in our lives. Because there are people that have been assigned to try to zap you of your joy, and some of them are in your house. Now keep looking forward and nobody will know they're sitting right beside you. But there are people that will try to steal your joy. Sometimes church folk. Don't say amen's too hard now, y'all. But sometimes church folk will steal your joy. I mean, have you ever just helped and gave and helped and gave? And then nowadays people don't stab you in the back. They stab you in the chest. And you and I as people of God, we've got to make sure that we don't let the joy robbers steal our joy. You've got to put on the... You Listen, it says put on. Did you notice it didn't say God was going to do it for you? Sometimes we say, I'm waiting on God. I'm here to tell you, you're waiting on God. Days are over. He's done everything that he needs to do for you. There are some responsibilities that you and I must literally take the garment of praise and put it on. Don't let anybody take it off of you. Not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your dog. No, I'm serious, man. We have a 95-pound shepherd, German shepherd. And sometimes that dog will eat stuff. I mean, he eats crab shells. Crab shells. How many dogs you know eat crab shells? He don't eat the meat. He eats the shells. And 3 o'clock in the morning, you'll hear him. (laughs) My wife said, what's that noise? I said, it ain't me, baby. And and the dogs downstairs having dry heaves. (laughs) I said, Lise, you need to go check the dog. (laughs) I go down there and there's a big puddle mixed with crab shells. 
I'll wake my daughter up, knock on her door. You need to get your dog. And they both clean it up, and I never get out of bed. Ain't that the truth? I mean, one time he almost drowned in the pool. I thought all dogs know how to swim. You know they say doggy paddle? He was like a deer in headlights. He didn't know how to swim. And I didn't know all dogs don't know how to swim. And uh, I stood there, watched him, because he's a big boy. He couldn't get up out of the pool. And, you know, there was, you know, in the pool sometimes if you got your skimmer off, the bugs and everything are in the pool. I called my daughter. I said, Lauren, I said, your dog's in the pool. She said, Dad, go get him. I said, he's not my dog. She got him out of the pool. A dog can steal your joy. <laughs> got a real strong, strong amen on the front row this morning. But, uh, but, but you, have to, you have to keep that garment on. Some of us need to change our clothes before we leave the house. And put on the garment of praise. Because if the enemy can steal your praise, if he can steal your praise, he's going to shut down your joy. He's going to shut down your joy. And you have to make a decision. You have to make a conscious decision on a daily basis. I'm not going to let them steal my joy. I'm not going to let them steal my peace. You know, listen, when I said don't let the joy stealer steal your joy, immediately people's face came to you, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Even their name showed up, didn't it? But you have to make a decision. When you're going to have an encounter that has the possibility to steal your joy, you have to make a decision. Listen, no one can take it from you. You have to give it up. You have to give it up. And I made a decision. Nobody, not even my wife is stealing my joy. And sometimes she tries. And sometimes I try to steal hers. And sometimes I succeed. But let's keep reading. It says, put on the garment of praise. Put on the guy. Listen, after 37 years, man, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that the enemy can't steal our joy. Can you say amen to that? Say it. The enemy will not steal my joy. Come on, say it again. The enemy will not steal my joy. I mean, even on the way to church. You know? I mean, I, I know sometimes in, in relationships it can be a challenge. I mean, because I've been driving from, from church to our house for 20 years. 20 years. I know how to get home. But you know, fellas, help me out here. Don't leave me on a limb, okay? You know, sometimes you're going home and your wife will say, turn here. And, you know, I, I know how to get home, honey. Those things can steal your joy. Brothers, I thought you were going to help me. You left me out there, man. You know, don't let anything steal your joy, man. I mean, the enemy, if he can steal your joy, he can steal your strength. If he can steal your joy, he can steal your strength. And you are going to need strength to resist the devil. Now, notice the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, resist the devil and he'll flee. Is that what it says? Are you sure that's what it says? Are you sure that the Bible says resist the devil? Then why are we assisting him? Why are we assisting him? When we allow things to steal our joy and we become angry, we're not resisting him, we're assisting him. And this is where you and I have to make sure that we maintain a level of joy on the inside of us and don't let anything steal our joy. Say it again. 
nothing is going to steal my joy. Listen, I'm just trying to get you ready for Monday. Come on, say it again. Nothing is going to steal my joy. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is what Paul and Silas did in Acts chapter 16 when they were beaten and put in the inner prison. And then they're, they're in a place for doing something good. And sometimes you can do something good and be punished for it. But you've got to be prepared that even when you do something good and you're punished for it, you don't let it steal your joy. Don't let it steal your joy. Joy is a powerful force that is on the inside of you that gives you the strength and the ability to resist the enemy when he comes at you. And he is going to come after you. The Bible says in, in, in 1 Peter 5.8 that the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to devour you, but you've got to make a decision. He can keep looking, but he ain't going to find me. Because when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High and under the shadow of the Almighty, he can't find you even though he's seeking. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And it goes on to say, whom resists steadfast in faith. And if you are not walking by faith, you're not going to be able to resist him. Paul and Silas, notice, turn with me if you will. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Say it, nothing is stealing my joy. Come on, say it, nothing is stealing my joy. You might say, why do you keep having us say it? Because every time you say it, you're programming your mind to be renewed. I remember one time I was teaching a series on fear is not an option. And uh, I would have the people make declarations of faith because I understand that when I'm saying it, I'm sowing it. When I'm saying it, I'm sowing it. Every time I say it, I'm sowing it. And when I sow it, I get full. When I get full, I overflow. When I overflow, it goes out of my mouth into my ears. When it goes into my ears, it gets down into my heart. When it gets down into my heart, my heart overflows. When my heart overflows, my mouth speaks. When my mouth speaks, it goes into my ears. When it goes into my ears, it goes down into my heart. When it gets down into my heart, my heart gets full. When my heart gets full, my mouth begins to speak. When my mouth begins to speak, it goes back into my ears. You get the cycle, right? We're in a cycle right here. This, you've got to do it on purpose, man. You've got to do it on purpose because when you say it, you're sowing it. 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 Now that goes for the positive as well as the negative. I hope you know that. And so if you don't like the harvest you're getting, then you've got to ask yourself, what am I sowing? What am I saying? Because every time you say it, you're sowing it. If you don't like the harvest, don't get mad at your pastor. Don't get mad at the people in the church. Say, that saying stuff just don't work. It just did. (laughs) Because when you say it, you're sowing it. I remember when I was going to Bible school, they taught us the vocabulary of silence. You've heard that. If you can't say something good, don't say nothing at all.
Y'all real quiet right now. (laughs) I'll say something good. But when you understand the principle of your words, you'll be very intentional about saying things in spite of how you feel, in spite of what it looks like. I would say to my son and my daughter, I used to take them to school in the morning. Uh, When they were younger, I worked the 11 to 7 shift. I'd get off at 7 o'clock in the morning. We just had one car. I'd take them to school, and I'd have a little confession for them. You're the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath. You're 10 times smarter than the rest. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I teach them that at 7, 8, and 9. And now at 25 and 28, my son's teaching his daughters those very same principles. Why? Because you're sowing good seed. And child of God, you've got to be very intentional. If you've got a bad marriage, then start saying something different. And don't just say something different. Do something different. Buy her flowers. Buy him flowers. Do something different. But you've got to start sowing good seed by the words of your mouth. And this is, think about Paul and Silas. They were in prison for doing something good. Have you ever done something good and was punished for doing something good? Don't raise your hand on that one. But it's going to happen. What do you do in a situation like that? Well, let's look at what Paul and Silas did. The Bible says, uh, uh, beginning at verse 16. I'm reading out of the NLT, the New Living Translation. It says, one day as they were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money from her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell us how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so aggravated that he turned and said to the demon with her. Now you might say, well, I thought she was saying something good. I thought she was saying something. Who wants the devil testifying for him? The Bible says after many days, and I appreciate this in verse 18, it says after many days because Paul didn't move on impulse, but he was led by the Spirit. He was being harassed by this woman. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly left her. Her master's hope of wealth was now, now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city was in an uproar because of, the Jew, because of the Jews. They shouted to the city officials, they are teaching customs that are illegal to us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet. I can imagine that Silas could have said to Paul, Look what you got us into. You tell me to go with you to preach, and we're in lockdown. Not a good situation. All they did was something good. And sometimes when you're working on your job, sometimes when you're dealing with family members, you can, your intent can be good, but their response can be bad. And you've got to make sure that even when they respond, you do something nice for them. You give them some money. You lend them a car. You do something. And the response isn't always what you want. You've got to maintain a level of calmness about you. That you don't let it steal your joy. They might get in your face and point their finger. They might call you everything but a child of God. They might cuss you out and slander your name. Trust me, I've had it happen. And see, I ain't forgot how to fight. I just choose not to. You understand? You've got to make sure that when those things happen, 
You've got enough word down on the inside of you that when they're talking, the word will speak to you. At midnight, the Bible says, the darkest part of that situation, your back's bleeding, you're bruised, you're hurting, and the Bible says, around midnight, Paul said to Silas, give me the key of B. (laughs) I mean, can't you see this man? Your feet are locked up. Hands are locked up. Your body's bleeding. I mean, I've had those times when my wife was facing stage 2 breast cancer 11 years ago. I remember those Saturday nights being up all night long, not sleeping because I felt almost guilty if I slept and she couldn't. I remember setting up and getting up the next morning and going preaching on Sunday and nobody knew. And sometimes your body's tired. Sometimes you feel frustrated. Sometimes you don't like the situation or the, or the circumstances that you've been dealt. But we made a decision. We're going to be in church in the house of God. We're going to be in a place where we could hear from God. We're going to be in a place that we could worship God. And I'm telling you, we got through that battle. And she's been cancer-free for 11 years. And she will remain cancer-free because of our covenant. And child of God, I'm here to tell you that sometimes things that are not favorable are going to happen. You've got a devil loose. He's looking for opportunity. You don't have to look for him. He'll find you. But you make a decision that nothing is going to move me off of my covenant. Nothing is going to move me off of God's word. Come hell or high water, I'm standing on the authority of God's word. And be determined that if I have to stand by myself, I'm not alone. Can you say amen to this? Paul and Silas at about midnight. The Bible says that they did something that is our our, uh, prescription on how to get through what we're going through. The Bible says they prayed and they sang hymns. (laughs) They prayed and they sang hymns to God. And the other prisoners heard it. So you know they must have been loud. They wasn't singing, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about my trouble. Now they didn't sing that. It says they were praising him that the other prisoners heard it. I like, I don't know if you ever heard of R.W. Shambach. R.W. Shambach, I heard him preach this one time. He said, I can imagine Paul and Silas up in heaven, me uh, down there in the prison. And they begin to pray and sing praises to God. And God sitting up in heaven on the throne, start patting his foot. And you know the earth is his footstool. He start patting his foot. And the Bible says that as they begin to sing, suddenly... There was a massive earthquake. Can't you just see them singing and God said, that shall sound good to me. And things start, do you understand that when you start praising God, things that have you locked up will start shaking around you. The devil won't be able to keep you bound. If you'll look, now you might say, Pastor, hold on, I'm, I'm not like that. That's just not my personality. That's not my personality. 
come to church to be dignified. <laughs> dignified and full of pride. I thought you told me you were crucified with Christ. I thought you said that it wasn't you that lived, but it's Christ that lives on the inside of you. When we truly believe what we read, we'll start doing what we hear. Can you say amen to that? You've been crucified with Christ. And I'm telling you, some of the shackles are going to break off of your mind. Some of them are going to break off of your body. When you put on the garment of praise and, and, and you don't care what people think about you. I, I've learned a long time ago, people are going to think what they want to think anyway. And I might as well just go ahead and go in all. I'm not going in ankle deep. I'm not going in waist deep. I'm all the way in to what God has for me. And child of God, you need to be the same way when it comes down to praise and worship you need to go buck wild now you might say I don't know what that means do you remember before you knew Jesus when you was in the club and you was getting your groove on I mean some of us couldn't dance but we just got up and did something and we get in church and we get dignified and God has done so much for us that we all need to lift our hands and give him praise and thanksgiving Hallelujah! 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 Glory to God. The Bible says you can be seated. I'm not done yet. You can be seated. I'm not done yet. The Bible talks about in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you can read it, verses 3 through 21. King Jehoshaphat, good king, was surrounded by five different armies. And the Bible says that he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do. Do you know that sometimes you will be surrounded? I love that song, this is how I fight my battles. It says, it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. And child of God, you need to understand that sometimes when it feels like you're surrounded, you are. <laughs> when it feels like you're surrounded, you are surrounded. But who are you surrounded with? So you've got to understand there's more for you than you even realize. There are angels that are willing and hearkening to the voice of your word when you begin to speak faith-filled words. They have been assigned to you as a child of God. Angels are encamped around about you. Goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life. Righteousness leads you. And child of God, there is so much favor on your life as a child of God that your joy that comes out of you should be so contagious that your children want to serve God because of the joy that's in you. We need to demonstrate that, man. We need to be the most joyful people. Everyone who has an encounter with us should be touched by the joy of the Lord that's on the inside of us. We shouldn't be walking around with a frown. If you walk around with a frown, then turn it around. Comes down to making a choice. You have to make a choice to rejoice. Jehoshaphat was surrounded by five armies. And the Bible says... He began to call out to God. God, what are we going to do? 
And the Bible says the Spirit of God came on a young man and he began to prophesy and say to Jehoshaphat, he told him to not be afraid. He told him to stand still. He said, God's going to fight your battle. And here's the thing. Even though he got a prophetic word, he still had to do something. He got up the next morning and God said, I want you to take the praisers and put them out front. That's going to, you're going to find out whether you called the praise now. <laughs> I mean, you want to get up there and sing because you're cute. We're going to find out now. You're going to praise when you're in the front of the armor. <laughs> and the Bible says that they got up and God told them to send the praisers first. And as they begin to go out in front, the Bible says they begin to simply say, For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Come on, let's say that. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Come on, say it again. For the Lord is good. And his mercy... See, you don't know what's happening in saying that. For the Lord is good. And his... Listen, when they said that, they had no idea. They had no idea that God was going to turn things because of what they said. And sometimes we're saying things we have no idea how God is going to turn your situation. We have no idea how God is going to rectify your situation. We have no idea how God is going to restore your situation. I can tell you story after story. I remember when our granddaughter was born and uh, we were at home and they had to keep her because she didn't have a bowel movement. And my son called me from the hospital. And he said, Dad, we got to keep her here because she hasn't had a bowel movement. They let them go after they have their first bowel movement. And I said, okay, me and my wife were home. And as I'm sitting there, I didn't even tell my wife. The Lord said, go to the hospital. Take the grandbaby in your hands. And tell her she has a covenant with God. And the Bible says whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Well, she need her bowels loose. I held her in my hands. I showed up. I didn't even tell my son I was coming. And he said, what are you doing here? I said, I just want to pray for Nariah. I took her in my arms and I did what God told me. Gave her back to my son and I left. They said, you leaving? I said, I was told to come here and do that. I got to the elevator. My son sent me a picture of her diaper. I'm here to tell you. God is concerned about your bowels. Yeah. You might think, Pastor, that's kind of gross. Not if you got problems. God is concerned about your bladder. He's concerned about every part of your body. And as a child of God, we think that we can't talk about it in church because, you know, that's not cute. If you've got a problem, talk about it. The same God who delivered them out of a situation in prison the same God who delivered Jehoshaphat when he was surrounded is the same God who will deliver you if you will put on the garment of praise, not be concerned about what people think. Listen, you know, you can tell if you're worshiping God the correct way. <clears throat> David gave us an example. The Bible says David worshiped the Lord with all of his might. Here's the true test of whether you worship right. When praise and worship is over, are you tired? Are you exhausted? 
Because I know when they put their all into it, they're expecting a response from you. I used to sing on praise and worship and, and, you know, you're singing the joy. I see this brother on the end. That brother bouncing around like he got something on the inside of his shoes. I'm like, whoa, look at that dude. Lisa. I said, Lisa, look at him. He's here again. He was bouncing all week. And, and I, I just made me want to bounce. What would happen? I said, what would happen in your life if you didn't give a flip? about what people thought. I promise you this, it'll impact your children. A lot of times our children don't want anything to do with church because they see something at church and something different at home. It's the consistency of what we project in church that we need to show at home. That's the thing that's a game changer. For our kids, for our marriages, what would happen, man of God, if you were such a worshiper that your wife fell in love with the worshiper that she sees in you. Well, brother, you know, men don't praise God like that. Well, maybe you're not a real man. Because a real man will stand as his priest of his home and say, God, nothing comes in this house except by your permission. And I worship you and I will not allow it to happen. I want all the men to stand. Because ladies, we're going to show you how to do it. Come on, let's lift our hands and give God some praise, men. Come on, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 God, we praise you. We worship you. We honor you. We give you joy and glory and majesty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Father. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, brothers. Sisters, that's how you do it. So if you don't know how, we just showed you. Can you say amen to this? The Bible says when they went out and praised God with King Jehoshaphat, God set up ambushments. And they began to turn on themselves. When you understand the power of worship and the joy that comes out of you, you know that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment will be shown in the wrong. You won't have to fight your battles. God will fight your battles for you. Can you say amen to this? Isaiah chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. It says, with joy, we draw water out of the wells of salvation. Down on the inside of your spirit are wells of salvation that have been deposited down on the inside of you. But you've got to be able to draw it out. And one of the ways you draw the joy out is by using a bucket. And your mouth is the bucket that pulls out the joy. 
When you begin to declare and decree some things, you begin to pull up out of you what's on the inside of you. And you'll find joy will rise up on the inside of you when, when you begin to declare over yourself what the Word of God says about you in spite of how you feel, in spite of what you think, in spite of what you know. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am in the secret place of the Most High. And you begin to declare that out of your mouth that my family is blessed, that my children are blessed, that they're covered by the blood of Jesus, that we are protected under the canopy of the Almighty. You begin to pull and draw out of you what God has put down on the inside of you. And you'll find that the greater one begins to rise up on the inside of you and calls you to be strong. Can you say amen to that? I want to close with St. John chapter 1, I mean chapter 14, verse 1 and verse 27 in the Amplified Bible. St. John chapter 14, verse 1 and verse 27 in the Amplified Bible. I'm going to have to read it off the screen. I don't have my Amplified with me. This is what we have to do. If we are going to stay in the joy of faith, And we're going to have the peace that God wants us to have. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. There are going to be things that are going to try to agitate you. There are going to be things that are going to try to trouble you. He says, do not let your heart be troubled, distressed, agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on also me. Me also. Look at verse 27. I love this, man. I love this. First he tells you don't let your heart be troubled. Look at your neighbor and say, I will not let my heart be troubled. Come on, tell them again. I will not let my heart be troubled. Now listen, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying that trouble's not going to come. I'm not saying that things are not going to happen. I remember six years ago, my son was coming home from church and a drunk driver was coming down the wrong side of the road and hit his Jetta head on. A Dodge Ram hit his Jetta and flipped. The roof of his car was on the top of his sunroof. At 9.58, Sunday evening, me and my wife are sitting in our family room. We get a phone call. Say, do you have a son named Jerome? And I said, yeah. Said he was in a terrible accident. Get here as fast as you can. He's still breathing. Six years ago. I said to my wife, I said, Lise, Jay was in a car accident. I said, I don't know what we're going to see, but we will not fear. We made a decision a long time ago that fear is not an option. Did you hear me? I said fear is not an option. When she was diagnosed with breast cancer, the doctor walked out of the room. I took her hand. I said, before we pray, we've got to address the fear. People are trying to pray over top of fear and wonder why it's not working. Faith and fear don't mix. Before we prayed in faith, first we've got to deal with the spirit of fear. And I said, Lise, I said, we're going to overcome this and you're going to live long and strong and God's going to help us to get through this. First, before we prayed, we settled it among ourselves that we're going to overcome this. This is not a part of our covenant and we're not accepting it. 
Now understand, there's a process that we walk through because there is a natural side and there's a spiritual side to healing. Spiritual side is already taken care of. The natural thing, sometimes we have to walk through. Are you hearing me? And so we walk through the process. She went through chemo. She went through radiation. And 11 years later, she's cancer-free. And she's set free from that. Well, with our son, I said to her, I said, I don't know what we're going to see. I said, but we will not fear. We got in the car, went up on the highway, completely covered with EMTs, police cars. My son was still in the car when we got there. All I saw was the top of his head. When I walked up on the car, there was a state trooper standing there. And he said, sir, you have to back up. And I said, out of due respect, I said, that's my son. And I could see the top of his head. I taught Jay when he was in Lisa's womb, in her belly. When she was pregnant with him, I would put my hands on her stomach. And I said, Jay, this is your dad. I said, son, I just can't wait to see you. Now, he's still in her belly. I said, I want you to know you got a covenant with God. He, was, he wouldn't be born. But they tell me that the baby can hear in the womb. Well, he's going to hear my voice. And I would tell him, I said, Jay, you got a covenant with God. When he was born, his head turned when I said his name because he was familiar with my voice. He's just a little guy, two and three years old. I said, Jay, you got a covenant with God. He said, I got a covenant with God. He couldn't even say the word covenant. Couldn't even say the word covenant. He said, I got a covenant with God. But now he knows what a covenant is because he's raising his two daughters doing the same thing. I walked up on the car. He's still in the car. Police officer's there. I didn't care if... The Pope was there. And I all due respect to the Pope. I said, Jay, this is your dad. I said, you've got a covenant with God. He said, dad. And next thing I know, he was praying in the spirit. He had that accident on a Sunday night. Car, if I was to show you the pictures of the car, you would say, no way. No way. The devastation of his car. People saw it and said, how are you doing? I said, well, my son's fine. He went in on a Sunday. He came home on a Tuesday. Wow. Car was totaled. God spared him. If you saw the picture, it looked like his seat was a cocoon. Devastation on the passenger side, the back, everything. And he's in the hospital and he's a sneakerhead. I don't know if you know what that is, but he said, uh, Dad, did you get my sneakers out of the car? <laughs> but God spared him because of that covenant. And I'm here to tell you, child of God, you have a covenant with God. The devil can't take you out when he wants to. He couldn't take my wife out because we have a covenant with God. He couldn't take our son out because I ha- we have a covenant with God. And child of God, those words of faith that we spoke over them, those words hang over their lives. The Bible says this in Isaiah 55:11. He said the words that go out of my mouth will not return void, but they will prosper in the thing whereunto I've sent them. I love what the message Bible says. The words will complete, they won't return until they complete their assignment. Do you know that the word that God has spoken over your life is on an assignment for completion? Even the word that you speak over your children, they don't even have to be in the same state. 
But those words hang over them. We talk about a heavy cloud of darkness, but there is a cloud of glory that comes out of our mouth when we speak words of faith over our children. We speak them over our spouses when they go to work. We speak them over our family members. Understand that, child of God, you are more than what you think you are when you understand that you have the greater one living on the inside of you. I love this scripture. I'll close with this. I said that once, didn't I? Okay. But look what it says here. He says, peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Now you understand when Jesus said my own peace, I don't know too many people in a sinking boat sleep. Jesus was in the back part of the boat. The boat was taking on water like crazy. And Peter wasn't concerned about Jesus. You know that, right? He said, Lord, don't you care we perish? (laughs) Peter wasn't concerned about Jesus. He said, Jesus, get me out of here. You go back to sleep after I get off the boat, Jesus. But he said, Lord, don't you care we perish? That's the type of peace that Jesus has given you. I said, that's the type of peace Jesus has given you. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to sleep at night. When you understand what you've been given, it will change the way you're living. Look what he says here. He says, not as the world gives do I give you. That's not, he didn't give you Sloman Shield. And nothing wrong with that, but his peace is better than that. He says, now, now here's the thing I want you to see as I close, number three. Do not let your heart be troubled. Come on, say it. I will not let my heart be troubled. Regardless of what I hear, regardless of what I see, I will not let my heart be troubled. He goes on to say, neither let them be afraid. Now, this is the part that, that really hit me hard. Stop allowing yourself. Stop allowing yourself to allow your kids to get you upset. Well, I got to take care of them, Pastor. Who told you that? Who told you that? Well, everybody's got to take care of their kids. Who told you that? God can do a much better job than you. I tell my kids, Brother Moore said this, and I tell my kids this, and it's scriptural. You can have anything you believe for. I tell my kids that all the time. You know why? Because I want their hand out of my pocket. There you go. No, I'm serious. If they got, my, if they got it in their own pocket, they won't have to get it in mine. So I'm teaching that at a young age. I mean, I taught them to tithe their birthday money. Because if they can learn that principle at a young age, when they, listen, my, my, my kids are doing well, but they learn some principles. And my daughter, she will fight you if you try to get her to stop tithing. She'll fight you. Because they've seen it work in their lives. And this is what we've got to do. Sometimes as parents, we're trying to do the work of God and wonder why God doesn't have the opportunity to do what he needs to do because we're in his way. He said here, he says, he says stop allowing yourself to be agitated. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated. Stop, because it steals your joy. Agitation will steal your joy. And you know, they just rub me the wrong way. We'll turn in a different direction. 
<laughs> Stop allowing yourself to be agitated. 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 I pray to God this week, if you get agitated, you hear me say, Stop allowing yourself to be agitated. Because it's a choice. It's a choice. Sometimes I, you know, how many of you know who your agitators are? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you know who those are. You about ready to put up both hands on your feet, wasn't you? But, it, but listen, when you know that you're going to go into a situation with a possible agitator, make a decision before you get there. Make a decision before you get there. It's like, okay, okay, okay. I ain't let nothing they say get to me. I ain't let nothing they say get get under my. You know how you say get under my skin. Keep your skin down. <laughs> nothing getting under my skin. He says here. He says, you know, I have to even do that with my wife. I know she has to do that with me, because sometimes I'll do some things that agitate her. Can I just get one amen, brothers? <laughs> Y'all looked at me and said, brother, you on your own on that one, bro. (laughs) Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourself to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, or unsettled. This will get you off of tranquilizers. It'll get you off of drugs to calm you down. It'll get you off of taking a sip and a dip to get yourself cool. (laughs) Well, you know, I need to smoke a little something to take the edge off. No, you don't. You do what the Word says. You ain't got to smoke a blunt. Oh, I I shouldn't have said blunt. That's uh, weed. You don't have to smoke that to take the edge off. You don't have to get Jack and Daniels to take edge off. You don't have to do any of that. He says all you got to do is stop allowing yourself. That means that you have to make a daily choice. I'm not going to let this bother me. I know the grocery line says two items. They got 16. (laughs) You counting the stuff in the cart now. He said don't allow yourself to be agitated. You go through the drive-thru and it's supposed to be a drive-thru and it's almost like a parking lot. Don't allow yourself to be agitated. You have a doctor's appointment for 9.30, you don't get into 11. Change doctors, you need, you don't let yourself be agitated. Don't allow yourself to be agitated, man. Because those things will rob you of your joy and if they rob you of your joy, then it robs you of your strength to resist the devil. Make a decision. I will not allow myself, I will not permit myself to be fearful. I will not be intimidated. I don't let people intimidate me. I'm the youngest out of eight. You know, they call me the runt of the litter. I say, I'm not the runt of the litter anymore. I'm the youngest out of eight. And everybody, you know, everything gets put down on me. You too? I understand. But you have to make a decision. You're not going to be intimidated by people. When you come into the room, the only way you're not going to be intimidated by people is you got to know who you are in Christ. 
When you know who you are in Christ, you can walk with your head up and your shoulders back knowing that you are an ambassador of Christ. And when you understand that what a true ambassador has at their disposal, you are representing the kingdom of God and a true ambassador has diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity means that there are certain laws and things don't apply to you. And when you have true immunity, you're prone from infection. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 5.20, we are ambassadors of Christ. We have diplomatic immunity. And knowing that, there are certain laws. The law of sin and death doesn't apply to you. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes you free from the law of sin and death. And that law that makes you free from um, sin and death is a law of life. And child of God, because you have the life of God on the inside of you, the joy of the Lord is on the inside of you, the favor of God surrounds you like a shield, you have a covenant on the inside of you, you have on the garment of praise, you have on the armor of God, you have to understand that you are in a secret place that you are supremely protected by the Almighty. If you agree with that, stand on your feet and give God praise and thanksgiving. Come on, give him praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.